It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Scott Cluthy's Love Cafe. Join us for the best in relationships, family, health, well-being, spirituality, intuitive development, the future, and the past. All present in the Love Cafe. The Love Cafe call-in line 347-308-8478. That's 347-308-8478. And now... Scott Cluthy's Love Cafe. Hello and good evening. Live on a Monday evening across America and around the world, it's time for another edition of the Love Cafe with your host, Scott Cluthy. And uh, as I was posting on Facebook and LinkedIn and all that good stuff just a few minutes ago, really there's not a person who read those words who probably couldn't gain something of considerable worth to themselves. Listening tonight with my wonderful guest is Dr. Peter Sacco. Uh, Dr. Sacco, Peter, welcome to Love Cafe Radio again. Thank you so much, Scott, for having me on and everybody listening. I hope you're having just an exceptional day. Well, your work is of great value, and that's what I value. That's why I do what I do for 35 years. And uh, you were with us previously on Positively Incorrect, which spanned across my time with Sirius Satellite Radio and here on Blog Talk Radio, but now it's the Love Cafe Radio. And uh, going with all the Love Cafe things, I'm all up in. <laughs> but uh, uh, Peter has revised and re-released a very important work, I guess about from a decade ago. Is that about right, Peter? Yeah, actually, Scott, I wrote the book. I'm going to ballpark it. I'm lost already because it's 2016. I don't know where the heck the last 10 years of my life went to. But I, yeah. it, it came out in the 2000s, uh, about 10 years ago, you're correct. And it took me about eight years to get the first version together because I, I, I literally worked with over 1,000 a pe- a thousand people easily with anger management issues. And from that, I devised the 12 original different types of anger and what's your anger type. And then recently, Scott, and you and I were talking about it before the show started, um, the whole technological rage aspect. So the last three years, I started to look at issues surrounding texting and online social media and saw that, wow, a lot of the worst anger issues, especially when it comes to bullying in kids and teens, even adults, that's where it is now. Yes, and it's... It's pervasive and it's so easy. That's a whole other thing to talk about. Uh, it's easy because you can sit behind a computer screen. You can sit there in your underwear or whatever, and you can hammer away anything, and you can present yourself as big a bully or as you want to be, and apparently some people are. Uh, Dr. Peter Sacco has been working with individuals in private practice support groups for over a decade And he specializes in anger management classes, workshops, seminars, individual coaching, counseling. As a professor, he teaches at universities and colleges in the United States and Canada. And he teaches courses in addiction studies, police studies, criminal psychology, and education. He also produces television shows and hosts Canada's most popular 
radio show on mental health, Matters of the Mind. He's an award-winning executive producer. I'm also back deeply involved, Peter, in doing video production, as I was, well, in different spots along the road here for quite a while. Uh, but uh, but he has really uh, taken his message to the media in a meaningful way. And the website is Peter Sacco. Simple as that, S-A-C-C-O, petersacco.com. You can find out so much more. He has authored so many books. Um but I, I just don't know if anything you've ever done, Peter, is important as this issue of anger, and especially in the world we live in. You know what, Scott? I get asked that a lot lately, and it started, I'm going to say, around March, April, when you guys in the States there started seeing the individuals running for GOP um, in terms of mm-hmm. Donald, one namely Donald Trump, and People are asking me a lot. They go, wow. Like, And by the way, I am Canadian. So the way we do politics here in Canada is a little more, I'm going to say passive, assertive passive. Um, we don't, you know, we don't have the extremes from one party or another. It's like you're not all one or the other. And there's a middle road because we have a third party and then there's a couple of other small ones. But one of the things I kept getting asked about is how can people, so many people get so angry um, about elections? And just about politics. And then combined with that, uh, prior to that, my mother and my sister were heading to France, Paris, not too long after they had that, you know, in the um, clubs, nightclubs there, the bombings and the shootings and all that stuff. And we were having these, you know, ongoing terrorist acts and violence in schools and all that stuff. So at that point there, that's where I started getting asked, asked, why are people becoming so angry? Why are they just displacing it out? And so that's where I really started getting into talking about this, not only in Canada and the States, but also worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I can um, I can look at some, um, some of um, incidents in my life where anger, where, where I, I'm very, at least I, I think I'm really grateful for that part of me that has that self-reflective nature. That's who I am a lot, you know, Mr. Philosopher, whatever. <clears throat> hidden under very well under all the personas I run around in. But I remember um, uh, getting super angry a long time ago, probably 25 years now, ripe 64, about the outcome of a football game. And I let the outcome of a football game <laughs> control my energy for the entire Christmas period practically. And that's when I realized that I was attached attached to something that, A, I had no control over. I wasn't playing football, right? I couldn't throw it, catch it, or anything else. I was watching it. <laughs> that I couldn't control the outcome, only observe the outcome. And who I was when the football game ended was the same person as the person I was when it began. So whether they had won or lost, it wasn't really going to change my life condition at all. And I realized, really, I was angry at myself for wanting to use something else external to resolve my own problem. Uh, I didn't suddenly become an enlightened light bulb from there on out, but... I th- I, so when you talk about events like people, especially like watching TV, watching this election we've got going on, 
And I've certainly made my satirical comedy video replies to one of some of the things I see going on. And anybody can go to the Love Cafe Houston.com and see that. Hopefully you'll laugh. <laughs> but um but you know, it was like taking back owning my anger, if you will. Uh and talk a little about that because I think so much, so much of this is people are not being responsible about their issues about what's making them angry rather than the issue that they say is making them angry. Does that make sense? Absolutely, Scott. I think you know what a lot of times, and you know, you use the football experience, which ironically at the beginning of 2016, I got invited to go on to a couple of Cincinnati radio stations to talk about their, you know, to commiserate their agony when, and I didn't even want to tell them (laughs) that I'm a Steelers fan when the Steelers beat the Bengals, and they were were livid. But i got to say, I'm not only a Steelers fan, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. So if anybody understands pain and misery, I'm a walking billboard. Yeah. Buffalo Bill fan would. (laughs) Like Cubby fan, right? (laughs) Yeah. So so with that said, I think a lot lot of people project, you know, they they have triggers or whatever it is. And just something to kind of throw out there, because you brought up football, and this is a great – tie-in. In In the United States of America before, and I I don't know what it is in Canada, but I'm going to guess we have, you know, it it would be up there as well too, but not even close. On Super Bowl Sundays before, there was actually a Super Bowl Sunday, um, if you want to call it a defense um, or a syndrome, Super Bowl Sunday syndrome, that I believe it was put out by a couple of famous lawyers in the States. And we talked about this in a couple of my lectures, that on that day, on Super Bowl Sunday, more women, especially wives or girlfriends, are physically beaten or abused by yeah. their spouses than any other day of the year. And so then people go, well, gosh, it's got to be the football such a violent sport. It's like gladiators, and, you know, it must be that's what's causing the guys to do it. And, it's, you know, and if you're using that excuse um, or that reasoning, you're using the same reasoning, though, the reason that people go and shoot up other people, they watched and played too many video games. And that's not the case. The problem is is the individual has some sort of aggression within their personality, something that has not been resolved, and it's probably, you know, and Scott, a lot of times people want to say, well, it's definitely born. It's got to be born. It's a biological thing. But a lot of times if you trace the roots back, it's learned within the family structure. Usually learn there's abuse in the house or the child's witnessing, well, one parent beating on the other or a sibling or that stuff. And so they bottle it. And if they're not taught to express it properly, then they have either what's called passive anger or passive-aggressive anger. And so at some point, it's going to come out. Come out. You see some people literally go postal, to use a U.S. term, um, where they just explode. And that's basically years and years and years of pent-up aggression that finally come out. Absolutely. My guest, Dr. Peter Sacco. And uh, as always, we have a call-in Line, love to hear from you while we're live on the air. Most people listen to these shows in archives. It's frustration of Internet radio for me, a live radio guy. But that's okay. But the guests call in line. We do love hearing from you, 347-308-8478. Love Cafe Radio today. Your host, Scott Cluthy, with Dr. Peter Sacco. And uh, we're talking about, uh, really, do you know your anger type? So we want to talk a little uh, and focus in on a little self-realization for our audience. Uh, you say there are basically 12 types of anger. 
Peter? What are what are those, and, and what, what are the differentiators in these angers? Well, yeah, there is absolutely 12 different types, but you know what, Scott, there are overlaps. And what's interesting, too, is that when some individuals have one, they basically, it's almost like potato chips. Once you start eating them, you can't stop. And I use that analogy with these angers, like they overlap and you'll have more than one. So, you know, some of the more common ones um, that I refer to and people can look at. Everybody knows what road rage is, which in itself, there's a lot of individuals that take on kind of like the persona of their vehicles where it's like this iron tank where they feel once they're inside, they become a different individual. And what I've, you know, created in this new book is technological rage. And so what we've had up here in Canada for problems, and I'm sure it's happened in the States, is you put two types of rage together, people who are texting when they're driving, and well, which is yeah. not, not only you know, a bad thing to do, it's also illegal. So just within that, you can see how two types of angers can go together. Um, mm. I get into addictive yeah. anger, where people are just addicted to their anger, or petrified anger where somebody has wronged you from a long, long, long time ago. And anybody listening, can you think about something or someone that wronged you in the past? You think about it for a while, and you can literally raise your blood pressure from zero to 60 in seconds, and then you're yeah. thinking, oh, my God, this is like yesterday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, reactivated, yeah. And you know what, Scott? A lot of people will develop habitual anger. They become habit. You know, it's just habitual. It becomes a way of life. Addictive. Just like mm -hmm. people are just overly miserable. Is there um, a difference in the way? Uh, you know, I um, I am uh, um, a big proponent of of uh, the gender called female, which you have to be careful what word you use now because someone will get offended. Women getting their power back, taking their power back, and I believe there's even a shift for me anyway uh, globally into a more feminine, what I call the feminine principle of uh, uh, receptivity, of more uh, a group and, and nurturing, and these things arising. You wouldn't maybe see it at the surface, but I believe that is the actual impulse that's coming up in a, if you will, evolutionary way. Uh, but is there, and, but that, of course the other side of that is, more women acting out. I mean, it's like for the first time, a woman wasn't the first time, but very recently, a woman was the most wanted fugitive in the United States of America. She tops the list right now, as a matter of fact. Um, and so uh, I'm seeing more women in positions of um, terror, crime, uh, you know, um, whether it's a terrorist or whether it's a criminal activity or they just rounded up like 18 owners of of uh, a prostitution ring, of course, had young women in sexual slavery. They were all women. <clears throat> what is there a difference in the way that anger is uh, processed, is expressed in men and women, or is that just more like a personality thing of who the person is? You know what, Scott? I, I would say it could go both ways, and I know I'm kind of sitting on the razor's edge with this. Um, first of all, you have to look at an individual's personality. No two people are going to be alike, whether you're male, female. Um, it's going to differ because everybody's temperament's different, everybody's experiences are different, everybody's personalities are different. Now, if you go back, and I'm going to say, you know, because this is really, I'm going to say 20 years ago, 
up until that point, 20 to 15 years ago, it was still, it was acceptable, generally acceptable for a male to be more outwardly aggressive with their anger because it was almost expected because their macho, you know, you tie into the whole, well, it's based on the testosterone mm-hmm. hormone thing, whereas women were generally passive. They were told to keep it inside. And so with that said, if you look at statistics and you look at medicine, you found that women were more likely sufferers of rheumatoid arthritis, which has been linked to individuals who turn aggression and anger inward on themselves. And you also looked when you're, you're turning stuff in and you're not expressing it, it lowers B and T cells within yes, B and T cells within your body. Mm-hmm. So at that yeah. time, there you look at it, the, there was a higher rate of incidences even in breast cancer. So, you know, you can't say it's an exact cause-effect relationship, but there's probably correlations. And then you had more women smoking, more women drinking than, you know, now so than the last 20 years. So how I will qualify this, the difference with this is, and my hat goes off to any woman out there, especially a single mother who is juggling two and three jobs, raising her kids, which is a career in its own, and you put all those stresses together, and as a guy, I'm sitting here thinking, Thinking, Scott, oh, my God, these women that can hold that all together, never lose it, man, they're my heroes. They know how to basically control their moods, control their temperaments, and they've got great personalities. So with that said, there are differences, but I would like to qualify. I believe that when more so, and there are guys out there, single dads that are doing the same thing, two, three jobs, juggling the kids, I believe when they're doing this repeatedly, and they're able and methodically to organize their lives, maintain a degree of self-discipline, um, speak to their kids effectively, communicate effectively, and know how to express their own emotions and have some sort of good catharsis, whether it be exercising, meditation, um, going for massages, working out. I believe it's not a gender thing, but rather a personality thing when it comes to controlling anger. Very good. Dr. Peter Sacco, my guest. This evening here in the Love Cafe with your host, Scott Cluthy. It's great to have him live from Canada tonight. And call in line 347-308-8478. Later in the show, uh, Anne Catherine uh, will be with us. And Catherine's book is Boundaries in an Overconnected World. So that's going to kind of relate to this, your boundaries with those crazy people around you. Or maybe it's you. <laughs> One of the things that uh, Peter's book does is not just talk about these various types and and so, but really take you through a checklist to discover what your anger type might be and tools to deal with it. So one of the things you talk about uh which is important for people to grasp is how thoughts determine your emotions. It's an instantaneous chain and it's hard for us to connect in real time because it happens so fast, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, Scott. I'm glad you bring that up because a lot of times people that I've worked with over the years, it'll say, man, oh, man, I just snapped. And I'll say, well, what were you thinking before you you snapped or what got you upset? And they'll go, well, nothing. Well, you know, you can't get get a feeling unless you first think it. And so, you know, with that said, one of the things I do within this book is to actually teach individuals to monitor your thoughts, look at your thoughts, but more or less, Scott, go even deeper and ask yourself, why are you thinking that way? Why are you holding on to negative thinking or stinking thinking? You know, you stand to get something out of it. And people go, oh, no, what do I stand to get out of feeling angry or telling myself angry stuff? 
And I'll say, well, perhaps you're using your anger as an intimidator. This is your way of controlling or abusing a spouse, a mate, your kids, even animals, taking it out, or coworkers. You're using it to bully. Perhaps you're thinking negatively or whatever because you're getting something out of being a victim. Your people are enabling you. You realize this. So even though people are enabling you, you're still able to control them in a negative sense. And so this is what happens, Scott, within a lot of dysfunction where thoughts, people, like-minded thinkers, kind of gravitate together. I don't know if you'd agree with that, like birds of a feather flock together. Sure they do. If people feel comfortable in an environment where they feel supported in their belief system. And that's the sit, Scott. The thing is, is once you put a bunch of um, thoughts that are negative together in your mind, you're more likely to attract more and more negative thoughts because you're going to just keep fertilizing these and perpetuating them basically on a law of attraction level. And positive people are going to pick up on your frequency or your signal and say, oh, my gosh, I, I don't want to be around this person because they're angry all the time, whereas angry people unfortunately attract either angry people and, and if you're a passive person where your anger is turned inward, you're more likely to attract an abusive type of person because they can take advantage of you. And then once again, they, in a roundabout way, conform what you're already telling yourself, that I'm, I'm useless, I'm not worth anything. And this is what you get in a lot of abusive and battering relationships. My guest, Dr. Peter Sacco, this evening in, in the Love Cafe, your host, Scott Cluthy. Let's talk about some of the rules, uh, be, and, and the book goes into great depth, uh, and uh, newly revised, too, and that's, I'm kind of saving that last part about the new technology I want in the millennials um, for the last five or six minutes here, but let's talk about some of the rules for managing anger. What are some rules that people can actually take into heart now if they find that they're having issues with anger, is this coming up inappropriately, the wrong place, the wrong reason, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like to first, you know, qualify, um, I guess, that question with the answer of the, the book is twofold. You can either use it to work your own anger or you can use mm-hmm. it if you're living with somebody that's angry. So with that yeah. said, there are a lot of tools within this book that if you are living with an angry person, and generally speaking, you could potentially be saying something or activating their, them, their anger, either consciously, purposely, uh, unconsciously, as being their trigger. So there are ways for you to turn it around by not saying what you normally would say, behaving differently, or identifying the situation. And one of the things that I do throw out there, Scott, which really is a kibosher for arguments, Um, generally speaking, somebody who is always getting angry at you, um, especially in a co-working situation or in a marital situation, one of the fastest ways to diffuse that when a person starts accusing you of blah, 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 you're a bad person, you know, you're always making mistakes, is to say, you know what, you're probably right. I do make mistakes because I'm human, and I want to thank you for pointing that out to me. You are a really good person for pointing that out, And maybe, you know, I can learn. I will try better. And that's to that person that's generally waiting for you to come back and say, really, that's what you think of me? Well, here's what you are. And so this is one of the ways I get into various (laughs) ways of de-escalating it. (laughs) 
<laughs> sticks and stones, by the way. Remember that? <laughs> I don't oh, think we even absolutely. know what sticks and stones are anymore because we don't break our bones. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Peter Sacco this evening uh, in the Love Cafe with your host, Scott Cluthy. Great to have you guys out there. Um, let's talk about the uh, the millennials, uh, new technology, and uh, the ever-present Enter anger. <laughs> you know what, Scott? I I just have never seen. Um, it, it's interesting. Over the this started out. Um, I'm going to say a few years ago. I was on a talk show, a major network. For I was only supposed to be on for half hour. I wanted being on for three hours. It was a phone and show, and it was on bullying, cyber bullying, and texting bullying. And while I was sitting on that panel, I had had mothers who had called in from parts of Canada and the States who had lost their kids who had committed suicide because they were bullied online. And then there was other ones that were calling in saying, I think my kid's a bully. And I had other Mm. adults calling in and saying, my gosh, I get bullied when I go on Facebook, for gosh sakes, or Twitter. And I think this is what you're seeing now more, Scott, are you're getting individuals that create these fake or alternate personas. They're like, how should we say, Bruce Banner. From the Hulk, you know, the mild mannered person right. when they're when they're in school, when they're at work, and then they go online when they get home. And this is where they become they turn green and then this is where they vent. So say that you got an issue at work with a coworker, well, I'm gonna go take it out at home. When I get home I'm gonna go into some form and that's where I'm gonna air it out. Wow. You know? Uh it used to be before you could get online and, and berate everybody and anything you didn't like. Yeah, some let's say some musician, you know, you say, Well, I don't really like their music that much, but I like so and so, you know. But now you find a post on that musician and you write a diatribe about what's wrong with them, how screwed up they are, how they'll never be any good, how they're not worth the awards they've won, how to burr burn burn it's like this uh, license to kill. Uh, it's a sad state of affairs. What are we I mean, so much for the age of Aquarius. What, Peter Sacco, do you see if we do not, because it's a tidal wave, Peter, there's more anger being expressed out there than I think I've ever seen. Maybe it's just because it's more visible, but where could we be headed as a society with all this anger if we don't become self a little more having a little more self control, a little more civility and respect for each other, and you know, an ability to have discourse without distrust. Well, Scott, I'm going to just guess, and and I actually um, wrote a book last year called The Internet Apocalypse, which looked at this sort of thing. And one of the things that I came across doing a ton of research on this is what we are aiming down a slippery slippery slope is that we are compromising our communication skills. We are spending too much mm-hmm. time texting, too much time sending emails that way, and not enough, first of all, eye-to-eye, face-to-face communication or over the phone. A lot of people would prefer to send a quick text than actually pick up a phone and communicate, which could probably take two minutes, but instead you're going to text for the next hour and a half to two hours, which could have been done in two minutes. And so with that said, Scott, the problems that we are seeing now 
is going to arise in conflict resolution. Not only, you know, when people are conflict resolution, well, it's got to be about work. It's, got, you know, it's some big high-profile business. No, we're talking about marriages, and we're talking about parents and kids. They are just lacking the abilities to communicate. And I remember back in the day, the average parent spent roughly uh, two and a half to six and a half minutes per day speaking to their kids, and married couples, 12 and a half minutes per day. This was before 1994 and the Internet. So probably those curves have gone down, not up. Unless you're commenting on the post that your wife did online in the other room. (laughs) Maybe, yeah, especially if it was something, you know, uplifting for you. Yeah. We can barely touch the surface of all this, obviously, in a half an hour. But, uh, uh, Peter Sacco, tell us about some of the, uh, the tools and assets people will find in picking up a copy of Do You Know Your Anger Type? The revised edition. Yeah, absolutely. If you get this book, you can go right to my website at petersacco.com or Amazon. You can get it for a buck. And I want to get it out there. It's been published on four continents. It's because anger is rampant, and especially in kids now. And it's up to parents to try to help their kids be the difference makers. And you will learn, first of all, what your anger type is. Second of all, why you have these anger types. Third, ways of coping and managing not only with your anger, but angry people around you. And then also protocol and how should we say um, proper protege for what etiquette for what you should be doing when it comes to texting, um, talking online, communicating, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that kind of stuff. Because you know what, Scott, I believe the time has now come. We need to have courses in school just on how to communicate properly and effectively in this age of technology. Yeah, and that'll be followed by classes in how to write. <laughs> and spell or How's sign that? your name. <laughs> the people don't even know they use the spell check, and they don't know which word to use on spell check. They don't know the word. Yeah, and when they in doubt, heard it L O L. L O L. You have a. You really do. You have a vast treasure trove of um, research. Empirical, but also practical knowledge for us, Peter. So you you stay in touch with me, and touch me on things that maybe you'd like to share. I think you've got a lot of great work, and so uh, we should do some more uh, of this, if you will. I know you're a busy guy, I know, but okay. You got it, Scott. And I'm going to wish the Houston Astros luck, and hopefully they get that uh, wild card spot. Ain't happening. But I <laughs> my Astros. <laughs> I watch every game. But when you lost two of your four rotation pitchers and two of your starting nine players who are two of the most important players for the year, ain't happening. But thank you. And you know what, Scott? Kind, you know my what, friend. Scott? I will say go yeah, I'm an Oakland though, A's. Yeah, I am an Oakland A's <laughs> fan, so there you go. Oh, my goodness. Well, we got some fun tonight. Yes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, speaking of coincidences, but I will say the Texans are surprisingly solid, and they look like they could uh, actually be hosting more than just the Super Bowl this year. You never know. But I'm still a Rockets guy. This is all prelims to basketball season for me. <laughs> I'm a hoopster. It's all good. <laughs> it, and it's all good. Dr. Peter Sacco, his website, petersacco, S-A-C-C-O dot com. Simple as that. The new Revised edition, Do You Know Your Anger Type? 
folks, you can study and learn a lot of things, but as they say over the archway, know thyself. That's the place to start. Dr. Peter Sacco, have a great night up there in the great north, okay? (laughs) You take care, my friend, and everybody out there. You guys have awesome nights. Pleasure to talk to you again, Peter. Thank you so much. Cheers. All right. We'll be back with more. It's Ann Catherine on boundaries in our over-connected world. And uh, let me tell you, ain't that the truth? This is Scott Cluthy. We'll be right back with more from the Love Cafe. Don't forget our call in line, 347-308-8478. And visit the Love Cafe on Facebook. Just look for Scott Cluthy's Love Cafe. We'll be right back. Hi, Scott Pluthy, host and producer of Love Cafe Radio and Love Cafe Video and other media as well. Glad you're listening tonight. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio show? Well, as a graduate of Coach University and a professional broadcaster over 30 years, I can guide you to your dreams of having your own talk show that sounds professional and is professional. Every aspect of your show, from the scripting to the concept to the execution, you'll be a professional in broadcasting after working with me, either on a monthly basis for long-term or short-term, to increase or improve your abilities as a broadcaster and do better programming, attract a larger audience, and even more quality guests because of the quality and professionalism of your broadcasting. I'd like to help you. Give me a call, 832-846-5270, or write to me at scott at lovecafehouston.com. And let's have a conversation about you becoming the potential radio star that's there within you today. Thanks. Welcome back to the Love Cafe with Scott Cluthy. Our call in line, 347 308 8478 for tonight's guest. Glad to have you in the Love Cafe. Now, Scott Cluthy and the Love Cafe. Well, good evening across America and around the world live. It's time for another edition of Positively Incorrect with your host, Scott Cluthy. My guest this evening is the one and only, it's Alan C. Fox. Alan, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Scott. Glad to be here. Great to have you back with us. In fact, dear listeners, if you're so intrigued, you might listen to the second half of tonight's show. I'm going to rerun my interview with Alan from about six or seven months ago on his very first book under the same title, People Tools. But tonight, it's People Tools for Business, 50 Strategies for Business. With your host, Scott Cluthy, another edition of Positively Incorrect. Great to have you out there this is a show I think everybody out there listening, especially your, whether you're listening on your iPhone, <laughs> your smartphone, which is smarter than I am, uh, your Internet connection, whatever it might be, or listening to this later. This show is going to be loaded with information, ideas, and really a lot of critical information about protecting your boundaries. I have one of the real experts on that who's really been at it for a long, long time with me this evening. It's Anne Catherine. Anne, welcome to Positively Incorrect. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Well, your book is pretty critical for a lot of people, and I think a lot of people, unfortunately, learn how important it is after the fact, and sometimes in very expensive or personally damaging ways in their relationships, business, and otherwise. Boundaries in an overconnected world. Setting limits to preserve your focus, privacy, relationships, and sanity. 
And sometimes people would say, well, that's not possible, Scott. Just out from New World <laughs> Library, one of my favorite uh, publishers to work with, certainly. Uh, Anne Catherine is a therapist who specializes in helping people, even though she's uh, now retired, I understand. Working mm-hmm. with boundaries, eating disorders, in particular food addiction. She wrote the first simple book on boundaries, Boundaries, Where You End and I Begin. Over 250,000 copies of that sold. Was talking about food addiction 20 years ago. Well, so was I, actually. Before most people had even heard of it, she holds an MA in psychology from Vanderbilt to university, over 40 years' experience as a therapist in agencies, hospitals, and private practices, and she's appeared on a, most major media, of course. Her website, uh, oneandcatherine.com, and that's K A T H E R I N E, so I can get the spelling right, the number one, and with an E, A N N E, Catherine.com. Check it out for yourself. And boundaries in an un, in an overconnected world. You know, and you've been talking about these issues for many, many decades now. Uh, and it's kind of uh, kind of uh, sort of almost humorous to hear you talking about sitting at your computer 25 years ago with a green screen, mm-hmm. hitting digits. And of course, your computer couldn't talk to anyone else's computer. I remember this well. I mean, just having a computer mm-hmm. was a big deal. And then you had your manuscript for your book, and it totally destroyed all the formatting when you went to print. Oh, how about on those my wedding dot day. Print, how about those dot matrix printers? Weren't they swell? <laughs> <laughs> if you needed a piece of paper that would wrap around the block, that was your place to go. That was your way Yeah, to go. that was on my wedding day that that happened when the yeah. the thing changed all my my formatting, and I had to get it in the snail mail by the end of the day. Well, I do have a message for all of us, all who are listening, who might sometimes feel powerless and even hopeless in the face of the events going on in our world. We've had an experience of that with the government in the last few weeks of of yeah. an entity just coming into our lives and making making Habit. it change without us being able to do anything. Right. And in a way, the the revolution that has occurred with electronic devices, digital devices, is similar. That, Especially those of us not born to it, not so much for the younger folk, but for those of us not born to it, this has been like a tide that's just rolled over us with one new machine after another, one new use of it after another, piling up demands that make us eventually feel overwhelmed, like we can't get to it all, and then guilty for what what we're not doing. In the midst of that tide, we've sort of drowned in our focus. We've had a harder time holding on to just even knowing what is what is most important to us. So, what my message for you today is that anything that is feeling chaotic and out of your control in your life right now can be helped by setting a boundary. Yeah, you know, I I add to that. For me personally, the one of the things I've learned over the years is that if it's feeling rushed, crazy, and chaotic, slow down, which seems to be mm-hmm. the opposite signal most people send to themselves. Slowing down has saved me a lot of misery. Slowing down is so important. Taking a break, <laughs> so you can find out what it is you really want to be doing instead of being just carried along. Yeah, and it's also relevant. I mean, it's it's critical in relationships when you talk about boundaries. Slowing down 
where the words don't leave the mouth before the mind and the feelings process the impact, the punch, or the possibility. And for me, a lot of times, it's how would I feel if someone's saying that to me? And you have to mm-hmm. judge that, not just the boundary of, oh, oh I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but what's appropriate. Mm-hmm. That what you're saying there is packed with importance and nuance. At any point in your desire to communicate, separating out what's appropriate, what's inappropriate, what expresses it well, what expresses it meanly, what is a discharge of 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 a lot of feeling that may that is important for you to explore, but not necessarily for the other person to know about. Sometimes discharge, the other person should word. know. Yeah. Yeah, and strong. unfortunately, when you discharge on an electronic device on the internet, it's gone. It's there forever. Yeah, so you just press, like um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. Just if you say something before you have taken a chance to slow down and take in, what part of the message do you want someone to have? What part should you be working on just by yourself? You push that button. It goes out there on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. It'll always be there. No, you have, go ahead. Uh, Sorry. No, you have great, great insight and 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 mastery on on boundaries. And so then, uh, taking that skill set and applying it toward the new media, I know. Still, though, must have been tricky for you as you got rooked or fooled into opening a video somebody told you was a funny laughing dog and turned out to be a porno site in Japan. Or, and, and most often, and it happens every day, uh, a virus went into your computer you didn't know about. Let's attach the video they didn't know about. That they got their friend didn't know about it. got from somebody else didn't know about it. It's been spread 300 times. Don't know about it. And pretty soon, all of your, your computers, you're wondering why you're moving slow. It's because they've been taken over and they're being used as part of a massive computer email barrage from Siberia to mm-hmm. Africa that comes to your mailbox to want to know if you want to uh, send some money to somebody that you don't mm-hmm. know, you know, and so that you can make some money, of course. Well, somebody's making some money. <laughs> it isn't me. <laughs> it's not you. And it's certainly not uh, for opening that video. <laughs> but it's amazing that a kid in Brazil, just picking any country at random, a nine-year-old kid could be playing your computer like a piano, and you don't even know it. But strangely enough, most of these um, these hijacked computers are actually in universities, and uh, the university that's doesn't know their, their yeah, computer is being used that way. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Much less the NSA reading our emails, but that's a whole other story. That's oh, well, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. another level. That's but, another. You know, one of the things that drives me crazy, and I know you talk a lot about this, too, is the boundaries of understanding the boundaries of what to share and what not to share and with whom. Um, yes. Uh, especially when it comes to family. You know, if you know that your uncle's politics or religion don't match yours, don't blind send them something here, look at this, read this, you need to know this, to convince them of your position. That is patently offensive, 
it's disconnected, it's impersonal, and it's impertinent. Oh, I like all those words. <laughs> well, it's also uh, an example of how we're not having direct relationships anymore. And what I worry most about in that case is young people. They are conducting almost all their relationships digitally. Yeah. And uh, if we take the very most cryptic texting, then texting by in, in itself is so limiting in communicating an idea. The, the idea with a text is to get the nugget down as short as you can so you don't have to be writing with your thumbs forever. And that's not full enough to really convey a full idea even worse is when people try to work out issues texting. There's so many ways to read that incorrectly, to add an emotion that's not meant to interpret a silence that has no meaning at all. It just means the person's not near a Wi-Fi connection. And so trying to work through a problem with a text only multiplies the problem and creates pseudo-issues that aren't even actually issues, makes it a mess. But beyond that, when kids have their relationships entirely through Facebook or social media, then they're not learning all the subtle skills that you need to have so that when you grow up, you can have a satisfying, intimate relationship. Very complex skills are needed, like how to negotiate, what to do when you feel like retaliating, how can you speak honestly about an issue and make room for differences in the other person, these are all skills that aren't getting practiced. And if the parents and the kids are all on a device, then they're also not getting modeled. And I fear that what we're going to have eventually is binary relationships, on or off. We don't have the skill to work it out, so I'm going to unfriend you. <clears throat> there are lots of other people who can be my friends out in the world, and I'll unfriend you, and then I'll friend somebody else, and I'll just... Go through the corn patch. That's right. We'll start a relationship on a Thursday night on a dating site, and it'll be over by Sunday night, Mister. <laughs> um, you, you. My guest is Anne Catherine. Her new book, Boundaries in an Overconnected World: Setting Limits to Preserve Preserve Your Focus, Privacy, Relationships, and Sanity. Here on Positively Incorrect Live with your host Scott Cluthy. The call in line: three four seven three zero eight eighty four. Seventy-eight. Always love to hear from you out in the listening audience. And uh, you share it's it's very pertinent in a lot of ways. The uh, the conversation or lack thereof between a daughter and a mom, and the daughter was in an accident. Give a little scenario on that. This is an example of what you're talking about. Yes, this is uh, an example of a daughter being in an accident, texting her mom. Um, I've been in an accident and then not saying anything else. So, of course, the mom's very concerned, rearranges her entire day, keeps trying to call call her back, text her back, trying to find out what happened to you, where are you, what's happening to the kids, where were they, does your husband know. So she's changed her whole life, and now she's waiting. And, it, and eventually, uh, it was eight hours before she found out. That's a long time to be really... Uh, concerned about a child, even an adult child. 
So it took that long before she found out her leg was broken. She was taken to a hospital, but she didn't know. Maybe it happened in a bad neighborhood and somebody stole her phone or somebody was, or her daughter was vulnerable. There's, when you don't know, you don't know. Silence doesn't tell you anything. So yeah, that's a case where, go ahead. Uh, finish your sorry. thought. I'm sorry. Well, that's a case where that was the inappropriate tool to use. And even, even though the daughter was an accident, that's totally understandable. But even even in a, or even more so, in a critical situation, call. Because the other person can think clearly enough to ask you the questions that they need to know to help you. So for every type of interaction, there's an appropriate, there's a, at least one and maybe more than one appropriate tool to use. It might be sometimes texting that's more appropriate, but other times a phone call, an email, even face-to-face will be more appropriate. You have a lot, you don't just tell us about scenarios or histories or stories. or You give us the tools, and the tools come in many levels and forms, and I just want to stress to my listening audience how uh, vast the the issue of boundaries in an overconnected world is in Anne Catherine's new book. Uh, topics include things like intrusion violations. We can talk about that. Violating the boundary of an experience. Focus boundaries. Protecting your children. Violent gaming. Is that leading to kids being crazy? I think so. Friends versus friends in quotation mark. Own Online dating. Uh, don't set yourself up for trouble. Boundaries in chat rooms, in cyberspace, cultural norms, and on and on. And especially, uh, and this is uh, one that a lot of uh, younger generation people are learning, in the workplace and in the workspace. Yes. Yes. Um, to, To get in touch with the reality that at times the role you are you are in is a member role. When you go to work, you're a member of that organization. You're a member of that hierarchy, somewhere in that hierarchy. And your focus then is whatever the goals of your job are and um, the boundaries there are dictated by the environment. And then when you leave work, you get on the bus to go home, you go home, then you enter a different role. You're either there alone and you enter your role as an individual person. Or if you have a family or a spouse, then you're entering a different member role. You're entering you're entering your marital role or your role as a parent. With the portability of work, these boundaries have become blurred. And companies actually expect now for many of their workers to work beyond the clock, to take their devices home and keep working. That's a boundary violation on the home front. And the consequence is children or families suffering, and even businesses don't realize it, but their own work product can suffer too when a person is trying to negotiate two different roles simultaneously. They generally don't do either of them as well. One of the interesting things that uh, 
you point out, Anne Catherine, is the, and this is a, something for people to think about, are the generational differences in how we communicate, in our preferred way of communicating, what we use or don't use that gener- another generation may not even have mm-hmm. or or want. Well, why is that important? And, and give us some examples on that. Well, my funniest example is my mother has never now, used your mom's a computer. not your funniest. Well, okay, maybe so. <laughs> it's funny for <laughs> my end. Okay. I tried to give her a, a cell phone, and it was a very simple cell phone. All it did was call, and it was really easy. All she had to do was push a button, and an operator would come on and tell her and ask her who she wanted to call, and she could say, my daughter, and then the operator would fix that. Oh, yeah. It couldn't have yeah, been easier. Right. Well, she couldn't get that she had to put it to her ear because it didn't have a cord and a separate receiver. And so she'd call me. She'd press the button. She got that, that if she pressed the button, she could get me. She'd call me, and I'd answer her, and I'd say, hello, and I'd hear her way off. You know, the phone is in her lap, and she's her head's up three feet. And I'd, I'd say, hello, and she'd say, hello, hello. Mom, put the phone up to your ear. Hello. Hello, Mom, put your phone up to your ear. Hello, I don't know where she is. Uh, She's not answering. And it it was funny sometimes because I'd be screaming and it wouldn't work. So I had to get her a phone that had a coiled receiver. Mm-hmm. That yeah. she saw as a phone. But yeah. um, that is an example of that communication device would not work for her did not work for her. And people in an older generation who've never ever operated or barely recognize a computer in the room won't be able to respond to your emails or your text messages. So if you're of a generation where everybody texts or everybody communicates through Facebook, then there's going to be a, a what I call a gap violation between you. There's space where there shouldn't be space. There's distance where in a healthy relationship there should be more interaction. And by the same token, grandparents who want to keep up with their grandkids and who are open to learning something new are invited to take these on. These machines seem very foreign and scary even to some in the older set. And if they'll if they'll learn that, and it can be simply taught, as we know, well, those of us who use it easily think, oh, it's simple. Well, it's not simple to somebody who's never operated a computer. But anyway, if they'll take the time to learn that, then they can show up more for a generation that just communicates that way. So it, in my book, I've I've got a graph that tells you when you need to be thinking about this and uh, no matter what your age is or what generation you're in. Yeah. I think we have some callers on the line. I'm going to check and see if we do. I guess okay. this is a Skype number. I'm not sure. It just says 11111111. Who's this? Hi, Scott. It's uh, Hugh Charlton. How are you? I'm good, Hugh. You're on with Anne Catherine. What's your question tonight? I think her book is so important for these times, and I... 
stand in my truth and I am transparent, but I interacted with someone who was trying to mind manipulate me and she's very sophisticated and then uh, she found trigger points where she thought she could put me into fear but it backfired because again I'm totally transparent and I felt I found that I was dealing with a full-blown narcissist it was wow. quite something she became threatening to me in a paranormal way and wow. it's interesting too because uh, Anne is my wife's name, and she was an identical twin, and her twin sister's name was Cash. And so I'm wondering <laughs> if Anne would have any interest in uh, exploring this for follow-up books or whatever, because I have uh, some very <laughs> powerful information to get out, too. Maybe you need to write that book, Hugh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I have a few when a blockbuster movie in me, but my primary goal is bringing truth and transparency to the forefront, bringing spirituality and the global economics, so I'm staying in that area. Very good. Well, Annie brings up an important point about boundaries, and boundaries is sort of the keystone of all this, and you, you spend some time talking about boundaries, and you have three distinct kinds of boundaries. You have one that's too thin, one that's just right, and, of course, one that's too thick, and it's mm -hmm. not to be good on either extreme, is it, or to interact with people on either end? Well, I talk in the book about the leaky Lucy's, the people who tell you too much, and an information, the too much information person, and then blocked Bart, whose boundary's so thick that a new idea can't reach him, and his own ideas and experiences can't go out to somebody else. In some places, it's important to have a boundary that thick. In other places, it's important to have it more on the uh, the boundary to be more flexible and let more out. When crossing a boundary. Uh, appropriately leaves both people with new information and new energy. And so if, any, uh, if at any time you are interacting with someone and you feel your energy going, you feel yourself getting heavier or you find that you're having more trouble thinking of how to express yourself, then you're, you have a boundary that's too thin, that you're with someone that um, we're in with whom you should be protecting yourself more. On the other hand, if you're with someone who's very open and energetic and you find yourself doing something that makes that person lose energy, it's time to look at yourself and pay attention to how you're communicating. Yeah. Are you saying, are you overpowering that other person? Are you, are you, is your personal boundary too thin so that you're, putting yourself in a, a one-up position. Yeah. Uh, Hugh, I'm going to put you on hold because uh, Anne's only with me another five minutes. I want to have a see if our other caller listening in has a question as well, okay? Thank you very much. Thank you. It's good to hear from you. All right. I think I know who this is. It would be, of course, Deanna down there in beautiful Hollywood, Florida. Deanna, good in evening. In beautiful Miami, definitely. Oh, Miami. What a wine. That's right. That's, yeah, that's Carmen. Um, I really like the conversation, and I was thinking when you say thick, the density or the frailty, and I usually get on the side of frailty, and it's hard to assert oneself without running the risk of being rude and gathering. So you you feel like your boundary's a little too thin with certain yeah. people? Uh-huh. Okay. And... 
But you're afraid you'll hurt their feelings if you toughen it up? Or be impolite, which I don't wish to be. Well, you do the other person the honor of trusting them to handle their own experience if you find a way to say what's true for you. And it can it doesn't have to be said rudely. But say you have a do you have trouble expressing that you have a difference with somebody? Often. Uh huh. Okay. So would you like a little tool for that? Yes. Thank you. Okay. So you could tell the other person, I'm interested in what you're saying. I respect it. And I'm realizing I have a different viewpoint than you do. Good. Would you? And you could say, would you be interested in, in hearing a difference? Very good. They, Thank you. You're welcome. I, I'm oh, going to read the easy. book. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> really great. I, yeah. I think you'll get I a great think, deal out of it, Deanna. Yeah, uh, the book of boundaries is a good idea, especially now when everything is either too short or too long. And uh, you're right. I enjoyed the conversation, both of you, Scott and Catherine. Thank you, Deanna. Thank All you. Right, I'm put you back on hold. Thank here. you. Yeah. Uh, and Catherine, my guest, the new book "Boundaries in an Overconnected World" from New World Library. What's the uh, the preferred website, by the way, Anne? For for my website or f- well for you which, yes your work and yeah book my and website is oneandcatherine dot com okay as mentioned and and uh, I actually have a sorry go ahead sorry yeah you have a website for the book right? yeah and uh, boundaries has a Facebook page and so do I and uh, also on the on my website oneandcatherine dot com there's kind of a fun tool you can use just to get yourself, test yourself to see if you are overconnected. And I'll be changing that now and then so you can go back and use another tool. What would you like people to gather from the book, Anne, Catherine, in this uh, crazy uh, oversaturated uh, download, upload world we live in? What's your hope for the readers? My hope is that they'll pause and I have a, actually a method for that on my website, a step-by-step process that they can use to take a look at what really matters to you and then see if a boundary is needed to protect that. And it's a little flow chart that you can work your way through and, and diagnose yourself, and then it tells you where to go from there. Well, the book's a real service, and it's very direct, not filled with a lot of prose. It has some very important lessons in it, examples, uh, protocol you can use in almost every single circumstance. And you will find uh, if these have been issues for you or you know someone with the issue. You know, I'm not getting it for myself, for my friend, you know. So <laughs> uh, you really will gain a lot from it. You really will. Boundaries in an overconnected world, setting limits to preserve your focus, your privacy, your relationships, and sanity. We all need more of that. And Catherine, tonight here on Positively Incorrect, it's published by New World Library. And Anne, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me, Scott. All right, you have a Thanks for joining me in the Love Cafe community. Don't forget, join us on Facebook at Scott Cluthy's Love Cafe. And sign up for the newsletter. Till next time. 
This is Scott Cluthy. Thanks again for stopping by the Love Cafe. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.